Welcome to the panel scanners in the second part of our What You Looking Forward to 2023. Oh man, we talked about some cool stuff a little earlier in the month, but somehow in between we were able to grab one of our other wonderful people, which we will bring in here in a minute. But first, as they were with me earlier in the month, how are you doing tonight, Mark? You know, I think I really would want pig if I could only have one meat the rest of my life. Because Are we from still that, talking you get bacon, meat? you get pork, and you get ham. It's amazing. Mark! That's just smart. Stop it. Stop That's talking about is. your meat. Could even make meatballs, sausage. I mean, it's great. I like it would much. be a pig. It would be a pig. I would not take cows. I would take pig. Desert <laughs> Island, my choice is pig. This is what I get for introducing you first. I you will learn your that. lesson from now on. Now you know. All I know is Gary's is probably going to be and worse. knowing is half the battle. I honestly, I don't. I, he caught me off guard. I don't know if I can. Uh, I'm just gonna go to bed again. Still looking, go, just looking forward to that this year. Going to sleep. Uh well, you can't because somehow we got Darren to return with us tonight. My wish came true. Oh, that's so nice. But welcome back, Darren. Down. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be back. But let me just set the tone here, just so you wear. I will not be pushed, filed, stamped, indexed, debriefed, debriefed, or numbered. My life is my own. I am not a number. I am a free man. I'm just sure. going to call you seven from now on because you're a number. Well, that's pretty close to oh, what well. we're talking about later. You're one off. But I'm really excited to be back, you guys. Uh, one of my favorite episodes of the year. Uh, I uh, I get to do my 10 through 6. Is that is that correct? I'm yeah, you, that. Uh, okay. you, were not, you were not able to make it earlier in the month, so we figured... Why not give you a chance to rattle yours off and you're just forced to listen to the earlier episode here ours. Well, I can't wait to see what you guys are looking forward to because I think this is going to be an exciting year. It just seems like just when we think there's nothing else out there for them to resurrect or bring back, like 15 things pop up and you're like, I didn't see that one coming. Uh, so just recapping my top five from a year ago, Obi-Wan felt like it delivered. I really liked it. I just finished Willow uh, earlier I liked it. I thought it was great. Mark, I'm looking forward to you watching it. Some interesting things. Um, my number three was looking forward to seeing some stuff from Indiana Jones and the Indiana Jones video game. Nothing from the game, but right towards the end of the year, we got that Indiana Jones trailer. Somehow, and this has been on my list for two years previous, 2021 and 22, um, seeing what Michael Keaton's costume is going to look like, still no. Nothing official there. And Winning Time, the story of the Los Angeles Lakers, completely over-delivered. So that was my top five from a year ago. My number 10 is um, Hogwarts Legacy. I pre-ordered it. I'm excited to play it. I know virtually nothing about Harry Potter, but I've seen the movies, which are now, that thing's been done for about a decade now. And I just couldn't help them when they showed people flying around that castle. Man, that should room. have been on my honorable mention list. I totally forgot about that game, and I have it pre-ordered, too. <laughs> and when they showed you flying on the broom, you can go through the castle in the forest. I just went, I don't think I need to know anything about Harry Potter. This looks fun. And I bet you this makes me a Harry, a Harry Potter fan, a pothead, if you were. Uh, my number nine is new comics. So much of my stuff ended in 2022. I'm excited to see what 2023 holds. My number eight, I got to give it to Picard. I wasn't too thrilled with the first two seasons. But Mark, everything they're showing us that's coming looks like they're like, yeah, we know. Don't worry, we got it covered. And it sure looks like they got it covered. Well, as um, we discussed with Star Trek, you know, I, I loved the first season of Picard, Firefly. I mean, Picard, I mean, I don't know what it is. <laughs> well, if you like Firefly, you may as well like the first season of Picard because it's literally the same thing. Uh, my number seven, I assume, 
but they shouldn't because this is coming from Warner Brothers that we're going to get Batman. I know it's technically called The Flash, but literally, can we all agree? No one cares about The Flash. Um, we're going to get Keaton as Batman in June. For now. We'll see. We we're supposed to have already had him. Um, and my number six, Cobra Kai season six. Uh, we had seasons four and five in 2022, though renewal has not yet been confirmed, which is why it is so low on my list. It has topped my what you're looking forward to list a couple of different times. Uh, it'll get renewed because this, the, the producers have long stated that it was a six season endeavor. So it's very likely we are wrapping this thing up soon. I, mean, I was wondering how much more they can milk out of that, honestly. Well, Everything <laughs> always. <laughs> okay. I, until the teats are dry, Gary. I still don't watch the last season. That that show, just when you think those teats are dry, they go, yeah, but these things are huge, you guys. And then they come out with a whole new season. You're like, you're right. Dude, that was great. All right. So those are my uh, 10 through 6, everybody. Well, welcome. Happy to hear where you're starting off. But now we're at our top five, and I'm going to start with my number five, which is something, Darren, you actually just talked about. I also pre-ordered Hogwarts Legacy, um, being a pretty big uh, Harry Potter fan, regardless of how much of a piece of trash J.K. Rowling is. Um, I, I love the world. I love the environments. I have always, since I became a fan, wanted to kind of get the feel of what it would be like to be a student in Hogwarts. And I love the fact that it is not taking place while Harry is there. It's taking place in the past. Like the 1800s, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there are references that we're going to get, like um, the headmaster is Sirius Black's relative that Harry talks to during the movies and the books. And he uses that as like his pathway between the building and the school. Um, who is played by, oh no, um, uh, Sean Pegg, um, Simon Pegg, Simon oh. Pegg. Oh, Simon Pegg, nice. Uh, he, he's the he's the actor for it. And like, they just announced that a couple days ago and it, it just looks so fantastic. And I'm really, really excited to sneak around. And I even ordered, <laughs> I they got me, I ordered the deluxe edition so I can cast dark spells on people. Um, because I want to be able to give you the like in real here. life. Yeah. Oh, just in the game, probably in the game. Man, I am embarrassed. So. This did not show up on my list. I totally forgot about it. I too am embarrassed for you, Mark. This is. Mark. I am such a huge Harry Potter fan. Mark, too. Yeah. Mark, it's okay. I forgot about Spider-Man Two. We talked about this last episode. <sighs> we did. If I forgot about Spider-Man Two, you can forget about Hogwarts Legacy. It's not my what? fault. It was an Obliviate spell. What system did you guys order it for? PS5. PS5. Okay. I got I, I picked up an Xbox Series X. So I'm I'm entering the Xbox ecosystem for the first time because you Why? know it's literally the same thing and half the price of a PlayStation 5. So I'm like, okay. And also you can get one. You know, PS5s are now available. PS5s are now available and we talked about this earlier in the month. Yep. They're now available. Mm. They're there. And you can't play God of War. Damn, that was exactly up. what I was going to say, Phil. You, you can't play up. God of War. Or Spider-Man. Or Spider-Man. But God of War. Ooh. Listen, we all know that I don't have too many games in my system, and it's going to go from that to Indiana Jones eventually, so I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. And I can pick up a used one in a couple years and play it. Fair enough. That's fine. So, yeah, my number five is Hogwarts Legacy. I am... 
I, I, come on. Like, come it looks on. amazing. It looks, it looks beautiful. It's everything I've wanted. I want to be sorted into a house like a little nerd. I want to have my own wand picked out. <laughs> I want my wand to pick me out. I want to, I hope you can play Quidditch in it. I want to learn how to make potions. Like everything yeah, about man. it. My, my, oh, I, my Potter flag is flying. That, I'm yeah, so it, it's good. I, I, I was, so I was in hog heaven going to see, you know, Hogsmeade at Universal mm -hmm. Studios, California. And this is just going to be so much more involved. <laughs> Mark, Mark, I'm so, I'm so, so excited. Like making multiple characters going through the different schools to see if there's differences in the game type excited. Like I'm pumped. Here's what I don't know. I don't even know how excited I should be because a buddy of mine at work, he's a super fan of Harry Potter. Like as I am uh, Star Wars and you are Marvel and it's so on and so forth and whatnot. Um, but I was like, oh, it sounds like fun. And you showed me some of the gameplay and like, what you could do and i just went whoa mm -hmm. and i don't even know what this stuff is but i kind of feel like i'm I, i'm like i'm excited about that like i'm i i'm not i, I this is like a completely new thing not completely I, new i just really want to know how the control scheme for spells is going to work right because there's no way they're going to let you do like four right i i'm thinking they might do a wheel yeah i mean it, it's got to be some kind of like weapon wheel it's it's well i be. hope they do it and it seemed to me like it was kind of like Ghosts of uh, Tsushima, mm -hmm. where you use the touchpad, the directional touchpad, and there was four different like defenses and attacks. So like if a guy was coming at you with an axe, you definitely wanted to do a stronger attack. If you're going up against bows and bow and arrows, you needed like a faster attack. And it kind of me that's how I processed it. Processed it, which you know me, I'm not the most competent gamer in the world, but after a while, I was able to pick up that system pretty quickly. Well, you know, at this point of release of this episode, we have like a month. Right. We'll be playing this Less than if you pre-ordered because it comes yeah. out. Yeah, you get it four days early or something. Mm -hmm. I am going to become sick and miss work. It's I'm excited. I'm <laughs> really excited. It's obviously there's a reason it's so high on my list. So number five for me, Hogwarts Legacy. Mark. Good, good call. All right, number five on my list is also a video game, Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League. Coming out May 26th, Rocksteady Studios blew me away with their Arkham trilogy, and I am really excited to see this game. Everything from the trailers looks great, and it's one of those things where I absolutely have to own it because it was also Kevin Conroy's last outing as Batman. Oh, yeah. So it's one of those things that even if the game looks like absolute dog garbage, I would have to buy it. It's the same team that worked on City, though, right? It's Arkham It's Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, and Arkham Knight. It's the same team from those three. Uh, we'll ignore that last one. But the other two... <laughs> I liked Arkham Knight just fine. <laughs> it, was, it, it was... That's the thing. It was fine. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm at the opposite of a lot of people that complained about it. I adored the Batmobile. I hated the Batmobile. It felt like you were driving nothing. I loved that thing. <laughs> I, There's I, one thing I loved. Feel like I loved. It's nothing. <laughs> I loved landing in a crowd of people, a bunch of guys saying they're going to kick my butt, come running at me, and then calling the Batmobile from the other side of the street and watching it plow through them like an insane tank puppy. <laughs> there was fair. just there was a lot of things you could do with it that were cool if you thought about it and I liked it. So um but yeah, I'm super excited for this. I've been waiting for a long time to see what their next project was and it has not disappointed me with the concept. So uh, I, I I might pick it up. I it didn't make it on my list either, but like the the love and passion that I had for 
I remember part uh actually loading up Arkham Asylum and not expecting anything. And it was so good. And going, oh, oh, superhero game, this, this, this superhero game. And then there <laughs> and was, was Arkham City, which might be one of the best superhero games ever made. Ooh, that and Spider-Man. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, they're neck and neck for me to be honest. They, they really they and and you know I'm a bigger Spider-Man fan and so yeah no I yeah Suicide Squad looks awesome. That's a really good pick. All right, number five, Gary. Oh, we're gonna skip Darren. Okay. Oh, is Darren next? I, I thought Gary was next uh, on the rotation. Yeah, looks like me. Okay, uh, sorry, I was um, wrong. Darren, go ahead. Sorry, number five, Darren. We're just used to you not being here, Darren. That's all. Yeah, you're the invisible man. Coincidentally, in saying Tank Pumpy is the name of my Ramstein cover band. Um, <laughs> oh, host. You host? What? Duhast. Duhast. All right. Uh, I'm going to need a little breathing room here. Um, I tried not. I tried to leave this off my list, but I need a platform for this one. Uh, my number five is looking forward to the seasons, one of which is in currently in progress and the other coming from the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Cleveland Guardians. And I need help here because I am about to uh, embark on a completely fruitless endeavor, but I need to put this out there that there is a prevailing notion for decades long before we were around that Cleveland is a football town, which is the dumbest thing in the world, because there's no way we should be a football town because our football team is dumber than a bag of hair and they do not deserve my time. Now, the Cleveland Browns, I, I accomplished a goal and I didn't watch one single play, one single moment of NFL football, I have yet to do it, and I feel like a better man for it. Um, for all kinds of reasons that happened this year, but let's just take a look at some... Now, Mark, I know you'll be, help, be able to help me on with one of these things. Um, so let's just take a look at the successes of these teams in our, in our, in our city here. Um, so we're going to start with the Cleveland Guardians. So for then we're going to start with the year 1994 which does appear to be a watershed year for Cleveland sports when a lot of arenas went up and fortunes changed for some of these teams. And since 1994, um, so that's basically 29 seasons of these sports, right? Since 1994, does anyone want to take a guess at how many winning seasons the Cleveland Indians guardians have since 1994? No looking this up. Just take a ballpark guess. Mark, you want to start? What do you think out of 29? How many, how many seasons? Have they had winning seasons? Let's call it at or above above 500. Okay, we're looking since 1994. That's got to be four, oh, four. 29 seasons. Okay, so that's 29 seasons. Sorry, I had to do math. I, my brain blanked on numbers. Uh, let's see, 20. So I'm going to say, I'm going to guess it's less than I want. I'm going to go with a dozen. Uh, they've had 19 winning seasons since 1994. Yeah, I shot low. My expectations aren't shattered. Uh, <laughs> uh, along with. 11 division titles, 13 playoff appearances, nine playoff series victories. Actually, I have to update that to 10 because I wrote this uh, back in, uh, I think it was late September. Uh, and three championship appearances, three World Series appearances. Okay. So, um, Gary. Yes, sir. In, since 1994, taking, do, taking into account, of course, that the Browns didn't exist for three years. They came back in 99, right? So of the 29 seasons since 1994, they've had 26 seasons. Of those 26 seasons, we know that the Guardians had 19 winning seasons. By the way, two of those are five, uh, seasons at 500, and one of those seasons is two games under 500. Um, 
How many winning seasons have the Cleveland Browns had? I'm going to say two. Mm, close. They've had three. Okay. How many division titles? Uh, none. Correct. How many playoff appearances? One. Two. Two. How many playoff series? Two. How many playoff wins? None. One. One? They beat the Steelers two years ago. Okay. The then how would... All right. Yeah, see, it's been so bad, we don't even remember when they actually won one. Okay. Now, conversely, the Cleveland Cavaliers, Phil, take a guess. In the 29 seasons since uh, 1994, how many winning seasons did the Cavaliers have? Let's say 16. Perfect. Right on the money, 16. Uh, division titles are meaningless, uh, and I can tell mm-hmm. this in the NBA because Atlanta in 2016 won the division title. And when asked LeBron James about what he thought about Atlanta winning the division title over the Cavs, he said, so. And then went on to sweep the Hawks in the playoffs. How many playoff appearances in the 16 winning seasons? Uh, 13. 14, very close. Uh, playoff series victories. The whole, se- the whole Go series? High. Go high. Really? Yeah, how many times they make the finals? Uh, let's say 10? Five times in the finals. Okay. He said 18. high. 18 playoff series wins, five uh, NBA Finals appearances. One oh, yeah, they won a championship. Yeah, they did. So the Cleveland Browns need to shut up and go away. That's <laughs> it. They don't need to re-earn my loyalty. I'm a Clevelander, but they got to re-earn my time. There's other reasons not to watch that dumber than the, the dumpster fire of a team. But we should at least now, as someone says this is a football town, there are – voluminous numbers that say it shouldn't be i know well it is well you know what then you're stupid all right that's it i'm off my soapbox (laughs) you're still a browns fan i'm still a browns fan but you're also just an idiot and you know it most browns fan know it too right i will accept that i needed a platform so thank you moving on oh by the way matt Matt, that was directed at Matt. Matt's a Browns apologist. He once told me that it's uh, it's like it's his favorite thing. It's like watching his favorite TV show. His favorite TV show is the Cleveland Browns, or his favorite thing to watch. That's like saying my favorite thing is Star Wars, and all I ever watch is Episode Two. <clears throat> all right, my number five. Um, earlier in the month, uh, some stills were shown for uh, History of the World Part Two. Yeah. Uh, Nick Kroll, Wanda Sykes, and Ike Barinholtz uh, are penning this series. Um, this would have been higher on my list, except for last year. I had looked forward to the new Kids in the Hall series, and I have still yet to watch it. So, I love um, it. Again, I see the stills, and it doesn't feel the same. But I don't really know if that could be possible. There's no way. I mean, yeah, I mean, technology and everything else, like the, I mean, even like the advertising is different. It, it's, I don't know. Until I actually see Mel in a scene, it's probably right. not going to hit me. Right. You know, it's funny you say that it doesn't look the same, and you mentioned Kids in the Hall. You watch Kids in the Hall, feels the same. Like, but, right it's, away, like, but it's oh. the same guys. Yeah, it's the same guys. You're like, oh, yeah, they, they're picking up right where they left off, literally. Right. So the fact that you've got new writers, and I don't know how much involvement Mel Brooks actually has in this. I'm sure he's got to sign off on it. Yeah. But, again, it's like, can they do the same thing? Well, no. And, so and that's what I want. You know, So many of those main players have passed on. 
Well, yeah, that's true. So, but but will it have the same tone? Will it have the same feel? The same, you know, ir- irrelevant irrelevance? Wow, irreverence is what I meant to say. I have faith. So, I guess it also depends on the periods of history that they're going to lampoon. Right. Right, and and in, in the stills they did kind of show some of them. Um, let's see if I can. Uh, let's see here. No, I, I won't read through this entire article for this, but um, Leon Trotsky, um, there's like Winter Olympics. Oh, that'll be funny. Uh, yeah, anyway, so my number five, History of the World Part Two. Um, history of the World Part One, big part, of, big part of my history, uh, developed my humor a lot, of, you know, the way it is, and I, and I hope it holds true to the original. For better they or for they're not going with what they teased after the first one, huh? Oh no! Uh, Jews in space, Viking funeral, Hitler on that's ice. Funny. I don't think any of that's going to show. All up. that better be in it. Uh, I'm sure they'll allude to it somehow. Mm-hmm. Although, if they're doing Winter Olympics, Hitler on ice. There it is. Oh, yeah. I think they're doing it. Come on, mm. they're, they're not even trying to throw us off the scent with that one. It's happening. Mm. Great pick, Gary. I'm excited. All right. Yeah, for sure. It has to be all right. Movie. Circle around back to four. All right, number four, that's on me. Although I'm a bit behind on my MCU, I hope to get caught up pretty soon. I am super looking forward to the final Guardians of the Galaxy movie, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I, I love Guardians of the Galaxy, the original. Um, I know two didn't have the same takeaway as the first, but I still really enjoy it. I really enjoyed the characters. I think one of the best thing about uh, Thor got love and thunder um, was the little bit that was in there with the Guardians. And it out of all of the Marvel movies that I see coming, even though like the Ant-Man and the Wasp looks good, this is the one, I guess you could cut in all the MCU movies really, but this wait, is the wait, one that's drawn me in. Wait a minute, what do you mean it looks good? Did you watch the trailer? No. Then how do you know it looks good, Phil? I've seen some pictures of what Kang looks like. That's about it. Oh, and, and that looks good. It looks good. I don't watch trailers, Gary. I, I, that's why oh, I had to ask. God. How is it that I came back right away to this? <laughs> I, I, I don't never went away, Darren. I don't I even understand away. how Phil decides what to watch then. <laughs> I'm sorry, is it a Marvel movie? I'm probably going to go see it. <laughs> yes, yes, Darren. So uh, is it safe to say that you weren't as enthused? You said you didn't have as much a takeaway from the second Guardians of the Galaxy as the first? Mm-hmm. I predicted that would happen. I know this was several years ago because you and Tim were really enthusiastic on that. And I said, I didn't much care for it this time around. And you, know, you guys were all over me about that one. And so, okay, I figured I'd be proven right after years of uh, re No, I mean, I enjoyed it. I just don't think it was as good as the first. That's what I said. I said I didn't think it was anywhere near as good as the first. And I got, and, I got roped. See, that was in the peak of the two of you being Marvel apologists. I said I didn't think it was as good as the first and got torched. I didn't even say I didn't like it. I think I we need to replay those tapes. I don't think we torched you. Oh, you torched me. Okay. That's why I, that's why I became – that's why I started drinking the Haterade. Right. It's fine. If I'm going to get roasted, I'm going for it. I mean, I still haven't even seen Wakanda forever, so I'm – What's that? Yeah. The new Black Panther. Yeah, I'm waiting until it shows up on Disney+. Plus. Uh, February. February 1st, I believe, yep, is when it drops. That is, that's when I'm watching it. That is it. correct. All right. Oh, so that's, that's like a week away now. Yeah, I'm waiting for yeah. it because I've heard good things. 
I've heard I've heard it's fine. I again not as good as the first, but that's pretty par for course. But, well, it's not gonna be because we lost Chadwick Boseman. I mean, how can it, it be? Exactly. All right, so that's my number four, Guardians of the Galaxy three. Uh, I think that's is that the last James Gunn Marvel movie? Then yes, it is. All right, so hopefully it goes out on a high note. All right, my number four is uh, we're expecting. Uh, Prime has told us we should expect news about it by the end of the month, and I am really looking forward to any information about Invincible season two. Invincible was a surprise animated hit for me. I fell in love with that show. It was insane. I adored it. And so, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing it. It's been a couple years in the waiting now and uh, just starved for information about anything, and I cannot wait for whatever they're going to release by the end of the month. So, uh, Invincible Season 2, and in the meantime, I'm going to be reading the collected comic book volumes to try to patch my soul. Darren? (laughs) My number three is... Excuse me. Yes, number four. My number four is Superman and Lois Season 3. Uh, with everything happening around the CW, boy, there sure looks like this is a chance it's going to be three and done for this, and it, what a shame that would be. Um, and they really got a raw deal with Season 2. Um, after their fantastic first season, they went into Season 2 expecting and being told that they the, the Parasite was going to be among their top villains. And Mark, I know you said at some point you're going to get around to this. Be warned. Season two is really, really good. Oh yeah. See, he, look, Mark, poor Mark's choking right now. Uh, he, the, the knowledge that they had the parasite and then couldn't use them. But is he actually choking or is he? It's a water choke. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. He is. Well, okay. Well, Gary, it's you and me now. I, I wasn't sure if he was doing a gag or if that was like actually <laughs> gagging. I haven't really, I haven't been on the podcast in months. I don't know why you'd be that upset with me. And everyone's gone. Great. Way to go. Well, anyway, Gary, so season uh, three of uh, Superman and Lois, they were supposed to be able to use the parasite. This is my read on it. I I saw a lot of this. And then right as they started production, they said no parasite. So they had everything written, everything set and ready to go. They kind of had to use this character that basically had all the parasite powers and um, they had to do some, yeah, really. it was one of those, like, you go to the end of the season, and once you realize that, you go, man, they did the best they could with that thing. It was still a really enjoyable season. Uh, the cast is fantastic. Uh, they For it being a, a, a CW show, technically not in the Arrowverse, um, I think it's been great. I'm looking forward to season three. Uh, it's the best thing they've ever produced on the CW in terms of superhero television, maybe outside of Arrow season two. But I sure hope that if this season three, because it sounds pretty awesome, um, I sure hope that if it's good, that it, it gets a chance to hang around. Because, but right now it says that it's, it's probably done after this just because of all the rights that are moving around and stuff. Well, it's, I mean, it seems that DC is probably going to be retooling everything. Well, yeah. Wait, so. Probably right. good call though, right? What's that? retooling mostly everything because even like a lot of the shows kind of fell off there at the end right well i mean the shows were the best thing that they were right and superman and lois has been fantastic so i just if it continues its its trajectory which has been really really just excellent storytelling and um I, i just hope that it doesn't that's not what keeps it from continuing i know they said that 
there's a good chance it could go to an HBO Max show, which would, I think they only do, they haven't done a 22 episode season. They've only done like, I think the most they did was 15. Yeah, they do the short uh, run. Yeah, they're doing a shorter run, which is really 15? working in their favor. Yeah, they do uh, a shorter run with higher budget and tighter storytelling. So Yes, and uh, that, and I, I would say of, uh, of that first season, 15 episodes, 11 of, 11 of them were just absolutely fantastic. It the best thing you could say about the end of it, it certainly turned into a CW show towards the end, but then they hit the ground running. I just, I felt like when you watch it, Mark, um, you were trying not to die when I was addressing you. So I apologize. Yeah. I, I apologize for like that. I, uh, I'm, I'm going to go down in history as the man who drowned in his own spit swallowing. So, uh, and then I reached for my water bottle and it was empty. So uh, I, I am happy to say I'm not dead. I'm not dead. Happy. So I know, Mark, that you said this is on your list at some point. Just be warned, season two, they got the rug pulled out from under them right as they were building this thing. Yeah, they... you were telling me about that separately, yeah, so, so. Just, uh... I, yeah, so I'm aware uh, going into it. Yeah, so that's it. Like I said, you're, you're going to go and go, you know, they did the best they could. <laughs> All right, that's my that's my number three or four, Gary. All right, my number four is just for me. Um, I had mentioned this before during the What's Under the Tree episode this year. Um, guitar lessons. Uh, I've been looking into it. Uh, I have a location. I just uh, have to wait until February when Cub Scouts is over and hockey is over and I have time. Good for you. So, yeah. Something I've been wanting to do for a while. I've got the instruments laying around collecting dust and uh, want to get Good. back you in. Can, you can do our new theme. It could be a, we'll do a coffee house night for you and uh, we'll support you. We're going nice. to make you the next great folk singer. I can back him up on the ukulele. Buttercup. That'll be the. Uh... All right. I'll play the clarinet. Okay, so we got Gary on guitar, Phil on clarinet. I'll take the ukulele. Darren. I'm going to be the hype man. <laughs> the hype man? <laughs> he's, a, he's our agent. <laughs> the acoustic hype man. That's awesome. Why did men in tights come into my head? We're men. We're men in tight. tight Manly men. Manly men. Phil, you're number three. My number three is something that at one point was frequently on a What You're Looking Forward To. My What You're Looking Forward To, number three, is David Tennant, Doctor Who. Yes. After the announcement of Doctor Who, with the random, random regeneration of him returning as David Tennant, I went, you know what? Let's do this. So Mm -hmm. I started back at Peter Capaldi, where I stopped. I started at the beginning of a season, I'm almost through his third season now. I'm getting back into it, starting to get the rhythm of what Doctor Who is again. Uh, I see why I bowed out when I did. I'm glad I didn't go all the way back and rewatch the Eccleston Tenant stuff. I think Capaldi has some things that were a little bit better than Matt Smith. I'm really curious what's coming after because I've heard some negative things about the female doctor that they didn't make her as smart and as like ingenuitive as the male doctors, which bothers me, but I'm not there yet. So I'll make my own decision once I get through it, but there's no way, there's no way I couldn't get caught back up before David Tennant. So it's not necessarily David Tennant because I don't I don't know if he's hitting for this Christmas special or right after. I know it's a three special series that's coming either at the end of 2023 or 2024. Regardless, 2023 is the year of Doctor Who for me because I have like four or five seasons still to watch. 
and it's been a fun run so far. I'm I'm watching a couple episodes a week and just kind of like I'm I'm digging what I'm seeing. Yeah, Darren. You and I had uh, I got into Doctor Who shortly before you and I reconnected, and then I found out you were a big fan. And I remember we, us having we did a lot of stuff of Doctor Who at the beginning mm-hmm. of this podcast. Um, and you and I had the exact same experience. The more and more Matt Smith was on, the more and more I started to get exasperated by him. And it was the storytelling because there was so much rabbit out of the hat conclusions. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I suddenly can do this now and I couldn't before. And like, oh, because like with Eccleston and Tennant, there were rules and the rules weren't broken. And then the rules just seem to get broken all the time. So are you, did, are you liking Peter Capaldi now? Are you okay with him? I'm, I'm okay with him. I, you know how every doctor kind of brings their own little nuance thing. His is like playing the guitar, which feels really way off like an electric guitar. It's a weird thing. I really liked the the odd relationship him and Clara ended up having throughout their run together, uh, which was the companion that he started with. Okay, and, which is who uh, Matt Smith ended with, right? Yes. Yeah, that usually, I don't know. I'm excited. I thought his re- the regeneration, just him like completely freaking out, like what's going on? How about this? Um, the Dr. So Donna, okay. the Dr. Donna is returning. Yeah. Like, come on, come on. Like, how can you not be excited as a Doctor Who fan? That's such, so, that, that was such fun. That I always remember uh, where she had to use that palm, to use her palm to open that door. It's like, this thing only has three figures. You have three figures. <laughs> oh, okay. Seriously, I think I really liked the Donna thing because every other companion that was with the Doctor, there's always like this weird, like, will they, won't they? Yeah. And the whole time with Donna, you're like, nope. Not for a second. She wants nothing to do with him romantically. And that made it so good. Yeah, now I want to go back and rewatch. I got to get through the end and then I might rewatch the tenant stuff because it's just, it's fantastic sci-fi television. Yeah, I mean, some of that stuff, like the starting with Eccleston and going into the first couple of seasons with Tenet, there were some times I literally went, oh my God, what was that? Yeah, that was the best stuff. So... I'm excited. Like I'm actually excited and it's been good. I, I push myself to the limit where I'm like, I can watch one more and I'm like, I need to take a breather. This is campy. I need to watch something that's a little bit better. So uh, like I said earlier in the month, I, well, I think it was between episodes. I finished what we do in the shadows. So I was watching a couple episodes of Dr. Who, and then I would slide into what we do in the shadows to like break it up and then go back in. Last out loud. Funny, that show. Oh, so good. So my number three, reconnecting with one of my favorite things doctor who mark all right well my number three actually surprises me because i thought it would be a little higher on my list but my number three is uh indiana jones and the dial of destiny on june 30th we'll talk a little bit more about that yeah i'm i'm sure we will i'm not going to go too far into it just to say that you know i was a little bit um put off by disney's not giving us any information about it for the longest time and then once i saw that trailer though Oh, does that look like old school indie? I mean, I was excited when they hired James Mangold because I love his work. I think he's phenomenal. He's a great writer and director. And uh, I'm just going to be really disappointed if the Dial of Destiny isn't an actual dial to turn, but like soap. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's my only fear. So that's that's my number three. I am back on board the indie train. I want to see this bad. You know, you know now all I want is dial soap to be... Themed? Yeah. <laughs> We want to like, tie in. It. We need that's licensing, it. merchandising. At least once. of ingenuity. Yeah. At least once. Darren? Uh, well, I just hope it's not a rotary phone. Um, 
So my number three is Justified City Primeval, which is coming out in mid-year. Uh, it is a continuation of, I mean, it, I don't even know. I've never actually pondered of all time one of my favorite shows. Justified's in the top three, man. That show, the dialogue, performances, the super cool hero moments that came out of Timothy Oliphant's Raylan Givens are just absolutely unparalleled. Um I just, I'm such a fan of that character. Like way out early in the podcast, I, I postulated that if anyone was going to get the Chitar, the Chitari, what is it? The uh, Avengers Army aliens, the Chitari? Chitari, yes. Chitari. Like all they needed was him standing it like at the portal, like just saying, like, you know, this whole alien invasion's kind of illegal around here. So I have to ask you guys to back it up or I might get a little bit more sarcastic. And then cut to a scene where they're all just backing up and going through the portal. I just am such a fan of that performance and that character. I We do know that Walton Goggins is returning as Boyd Crowder at some point, which, God, that I can't say enough about the show. I can't wait for it. Um, all you really need is him, though. And it's coming mid-23. It's not set in Kentucky, so it's going to be real interesting. I think... Him, uh, Raylan Givens, is a bit of a fish out of water, has a lot of interesting implications. I know Matt would agree with me on that, too, so I'm excited for that. As Axel Foley shows up to us. No, he was a Detroit cop. Anyway, my number three, and this is going to show a little bit of, uh, I want to say, my, my, my intelligence here. Uh, I'm planning on spending eh, five $600 so that I can buy a game that I already own just so I can download the DLC for Horizon Forbidden West. Just because it, it's, it's only going to be offered for PS5. So now I have to buy a PS5 so I can get the DLC for a game that I currently already have for the PS4. Really? Wait. It's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. How come you... I'm confused. Yes. Can you explain this to me? Why do you need... Just because you want to play it on a 5? No, the no, DLC is only available for the 5 version. It's not yeah. available for the PS4 version. Yes, Wait, what? Well, so what was the one that was available for the original game? The, the Frozen Wilds? Oh, okay. That's why I was confused. I got <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, so the, there will be a DLC for Horizon Forbidden West, but it will only be available oh, for PS5. That's right, because you only played it on the 4. I got you. Yes. Okay, well, well, Gary, I would recommend beating the game first. What? Ouch! Is that an ouch? Yeah, sort of. I just I, I, beat it this week. He just beat it. I've been milking it because I don't want it to be over. That's what she said. Just beat it. Just beat it. Just beat it. That's what they all say. Can't climb to heaven. That's just right. Michael Jackson it. No one, no one wants that. You said it. But no. Right. So I actually thought you were saying that you were going to buy a PSVR 2. Did you play the VR Horizon? And I was like, oh, oh damn you. Oh. Oh man! Oh, now I put that idea in your head too. So twelve hundred dollars <laughs> later. That's like, like I said, my, my son just got his. Uh, I guess it's not really Oculus anymore, was it? A, a Meta Quest Meta. Two. Yeah. yeah. It's the dumbest name. So I don't know. We need you have two VR systems in the house, but isn't that, but that isn't cost what tax returns are for? I. Man, I mean, very cool stuff, but the the amount of gameplay available for the cost, it's. That's how I feel. It's, yeah, it's like I'm glad I got mine used 
and I only had, I only paid like 200 for it and I got a bunch of games. So like the 20 minutes I spent playing the Batman game, I'm like, yeah, all right, cool. Hitting home runs, standing at home plate at Jacobs Field, Progressive Field. That was pretty cool. It's always going to be the Jake to me. Yeah, same. Yes, yes, yes. All right. People are upset about that, but they're not upset. <laughs> this just still baffles me. It changed so much. We just let it go. Anyway. Number two. Final Fantasy 16. How is that possible? I've heard amazing things. Um, It is back to medieval. It's got an M oh, rating. Really? And there are kaiju summons. I'm in. I Whoa. am in. They, they're basically like Game of Thrones without banging your sister. So, sounds One in that. Um, seriously, graphically, it looks great. I'm, I'm nervous about the fighting system because I'm, unlike Mark, a kind of like JRPG purist, I did really dig the Final Fantasy um, VII remake. And they're doing the second part of that supposedly this year, too. So, Final Fantasy stuff. Wait, second part? It's a three-part. That wasn't Final the whole game? VII. The Final Fantasy VII Remake is a three-part, yeah. not 16. 16's one game. The Seven Remake, they're doing three parts to it. The first game only got you out of Midgar. Oh, see, I, I, I bought it, and then my son started playing it, and I never really had a chance to start it. Did so you I play the original? Oh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah I, maxed, I maxed out everything. In that so the thing. remake literally gets you out of Midgar. You're like about to leave the city, and that's how it ends. I, I got past disc one of the original game, decided I didn't care if the meteor hit the planet and raced Chocobos instead. Sounds fair. You need you need a gold Chocobo. Anyway, 16 does not play like that. Um, the, the battle director is the person who did Devil May Cry 5, so it's going to be like very action RPG figuring out combos type thing um much like the most recent final fantasies the uh your party is going to be run by ai npcs um which i'm always on the fence about i kind of like being able to rotate through them even when you're doing that like in the remake you could at least play as tifa and barrett and and Aerith and like switch between them and then the other people would be ai i'd like that um, so I don't know how that's going to go, but graphically it looks amazing. And again, kaiju summons, like giant, giant summons fighting each other on a battlefield. It looks grim. It looks very high fantasy. And I, and I like that. It's been, it's been a while since we've gotten a more fantasy base instead of like steampunky or modern, because I mean, the last one you drove a car around for most of it in 15 so this will be kind of going back to the more fantasy fantasy based one so my number two also june too many games coming out in june diablo 4 street fighter 6 final fantasy 16 it's gonna be a month thank god it's summer break mark all right. Well, number two was actually the one I expected to be my number one, and I remembered something else that has pushed it down, but I don't think there's been a lot of dissent on this podcast about uh, Into the Spider-Verse being the best Spider-Man movie that we've ever seen. And so, you want to hold this conversation for I'm, a couple minutes? Yeah, I know it's going to be your number one, I'm sure, but uh, I'm getting to uh, just, you know, saying across the Spider-Verse on June 2nd is... Uh, 
big one for me. It's my number two. So we'll talk Dude, about it. We'll talk Dude, about it. Darren. Mark, I want to see if you can guess what my number two is. I think we all know what my number one is. Uh, something I was very enthusiastic and kind of taken by surprise and kind of wouldn't shut up about it. Mark, you want to take a guess at what it could be? No, I really don't. Okay. Uh, well, it is. <laughs> um, Star Trek Strange New Worlds Season 2. Strange New Worlds is the Star Trek show for everyone. From the hardest of the hardcore Trek fans to those who are just Trek curious, it is the perfect Star Trek show. Trek um, it's the greatest thing about it is every episode is self-contained. So they're doing something. They've, they had a straight up comedy. They had uh, horror. They've done action adventure. They've done mystery. It was just everything you could have possibly wanted. The cast is fantastic. Um, the visuals are the best Star Trek visuals ever produced period um i it just looks amazing it looks like a million bucks um it's probably a hundred million bucks and it's it's fun i know people complained about it being preach preachy uh but mark and i said well then if you're complaining about star trek being preachy then you clearly don't know star trek because that it always was um i mean duh (laughs) yes so that's kind of like the point of it and I, it's just, I can't recommend it enough. I, this show is on par with the best of the Disney Plus Star Wars shows. It stands right alongside them. Um, and everything that looks like they're doing with season two, which should come out in May, looks phenomenal. I'm excited for it. It has made me hardcore loving Star Trek again. Um, and I think it's something that, and I mean, you don't need to be a Star Trek fan to watch this and just kind of smile and go, boy, this is a fun show. All right. Well, my number two, and I'm to be completely honest with you, I'm guessing that this is going to happen. Um, since the end of the Eternals movie ended with the Eternals in space, I'm <laughs> guessing that if this character is going to make an appearance, then it's going to be probably in the Blade movie since he made an appearance at the end of the Eternals movie when Dane Whitman was about to grasp the Ebony Blade. So I am looking forward to the Black Knight making his appearance in the MCU, possibly in the Blade movie, because I think that's kind of have to be where it's going to happen. I love Dane Whitman. I love the Black Knight. I saw some artist renditions of what he could possibly look like, and they were pretty cool, which, you know, you could basically see, like, lips and a beard. And that was really about it as far as the actor underneath, but still looked really good. So my number two, the appearance of the Black Knight in the MCU. Phil. Awesome. All right, let's bring this thing home. Number one, which I already teased mine because Mark's, <coughs> excuse me, Mark started talking about it for his number two. Probably the best Spider-Man movie that's come out ever. It's a, it's definitely a competitor was Spider-Verse. Um, 
So Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Coming out in June. Mark, let's talk about this thing. Did anybody else pull this this high up? And, and part oh. part one yet. Right. Oh, is that right? It's split part, into two parts. Part one of two. Oh, wow. Um, If this holds a candle to that first movie, we are in for a treat. I... One, it's great to see Miles Morales taking a lead role. Absolutely. Two... That art style that I was originally a little opposed to just worked so well for that movie. Yeah, worked so well that Marvel stole it for What If. Right. (laughs) It's just, it's such a great telling of a Spider-Man story. And if they can keep this going, no matter how I feel about Spider-Verse as a whole, um, outside of this in the comic book world, I'm insanely hopeful this is going to be close to as good and with the people working on it i'm i mean it should be i again dodge the trailers as i do but i've obviously seen some screenshots i've seen like spider punk i've seen some other things that are going to be in it and they just have a plethora to pull from and if they're doing multiple parts it'll be interesting i don't know if the villain is going to be Morlin or not yeah i'm not clear on that i uh um, I mean, it should be, right? You would think. But, but you know, there's, there's so many different directions they can go if they don't want to keep to... Yeah, I, there's, it's an infinite possibilities. Right. And uh, one of the things that I... Like, one of the, the board games that I play on uh, Marvel United, they're actually releasing a pack that's coming out at the same time as the movie that's just a bunch of different Spider-Man. Like, uh, Superior... And... Uh, Spider-Punk and a couple others, Spider-Man Noir. And just like seeing that, that teasing that in the last week, I was like, this movie needs to come out. June is going to be such a good month for me. I'm either going to be the most <laughs> let down human being on the face of the earth or the happiest nerd you've ever seen. Yeah. Roll the dice on that one. You know, there's stranger things have occurred for sure. Right. Hey. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Diablo 4, Final Fantasy 16, Street Fighter 6. That yeah, is a month. That is a month. So, Phil, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, it, there's two things uh, in the life of this podcast I always circle back to that where we heard the concept and saw some of the early images and um, maybe even some video clips we were like what the heck is going on here this looks so stupid and then we sat down to watch it we were so completely wrong and it's spider-man across the spider-verse and cobra kai and it was just like we were we were so off the wall about both of those things was it at the end the end of one of the movies was it an x-men movie or was it deadpool that they showed a clip from the original movie. I don't remember that. I remember you guys telling me about it. And, you, and I think Tim was like, what is going on with this thing? And well, before then, I was like, I'm not interested at all. And I saw that little clip and like the comedy of it and like Peter being dragged by the subway train. And I was just like, well, they got the tone. Maybe I can, maybe I can get on with this art style. And then I remember leaving that movie and going, 
Are you kidding me? Is this for uh, real? Did that just happen? And that art All style was so weird because they introduced a little bit of stagger to the animation. It looks like stop motion, which was nice. a really interesting choice, but it works so well. Yeah, but, really you know, and those are your initial impressions in such a short, like, it's like a, con, a compact uh, uh, time frame in a trailer. I see why people would have been thrown off. Like, you, you sort of disappear into it after a few minutes when you're getting into the story. But it's like, those two are cautionary tales to like, yeah, we definitely judged the book by its cover on that one, and we were way off. Oh, yeah. I, I did not see it in the theater because I wasn't sure what to think about it, and I bought it on Blu-ray because I heard so many good things, and I regretted not seeing it on the big screen. Seriously, me and one of my buddies, we were like, we need to do something today, and we're like, you want to go see that Spider-Man movie? Like, I've heard it's good. We went, and both of us just walked out like, that was... That was better than Homecoming. Like that was good. Like That's that was not hard for me. Really good. I know you. I know you weren't a big Homecoming fan. But yeah, so there's no way this was not my number one. Which is why I'm still kicking myself that I forgot about Spider-Man Two. I think because I was so like focused on this. Um. Do we even have a release date for Spider-Man Two? Yeah. Uh, for the game notes, it's fall 2023. It's not coming out. Maybe it'll be 2024. It'll it could be. I'm All still right. looking forward to it. <laughs> All right, so that's my number one um, for good reason. I think I, I mean, all of us that saw that movie, like, there's no way that you cannot be excited for a sequel. I, I would have had it. You know, I kind of forgot about it, but I like that. Yeah, I could go see that unburdened by the volume, the volume of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm -hmm. too. I think that's, I think that's extremely helpful. Gary, you saw it, right? I have not. <gasps> oh. I've been, my, I've, been my son, I've been trying to get my son to sit down with me and watch it, and he just doesn't have the same interest. And Without he's kind of own. an excuse to watch stuff like that. So, so lock him I in the closet it. and watch it. I mean, jeez. I watched it with Lily. And Take a really long, long bathroom break. Wow, that that's long even for me. <laughs> I could pull off forty-five minutes without a problem. <laughs> Doing shifts. In what? Shifts. 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 Oh, with an F. With an oh, F. <laughs> Don't need to flag this one for explicit. <laughs> Too late. All I right, can bleep that out and post. <laughs> oh yeah, that yeah, that'd be great. All right, Mark, you're up. All right, well, <laughs> I thought Across the Spider Verse was going to be my number one, but there is something that has shoved it down because it's something I never thought I would have. The new Hollywood Squares. In on May thirty first of twenty nineteen, Amazon Prime released a translation of my favorite novel of all time that did not disappoint me and blew me away. The nineteen ninety book by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett, Good Omens. I forgot they were doing a sequel. And the sequel season is set for release later this year. And I am through the roof with anticipation. Once again, returning David Tennant and Michael Sheen as their demon Crowley and Aziraphale angel counterparts. I am so excited because this is reportedly based on the sequel novel that was in the works between the two before Pratchett passed away. And so uh, I am just... I can't express in words how excited I am to see more of a story that I thought ended for me in 1990. I mean, I have been waiting 
a long, long time, 33 years for this. <laughs> I actually, I didn't read the book until the late nineties. So maybe not quite that long, but, uh, that book was just everything I ever wanted. It's amazing. It's spectacular. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. If you haven't watched the show, I highly recommend it. And uh, yeah, Good Omen season two, my number one. Here I thought you were going to go to the Super Mario Brothers movie. Yeah, it looks fun, but I'll probably just catch it on streaming. Mm. All right. Darren. Darren. Darren, number one. Well, I completely forgot about the Super Mario's movie, so I got to redo my whole list to not put it anywhere on it. Um, so obviously, I don't think there's any doubt my number one isn't just Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, because how could it not be? But it's all things Indiana Jones. Mark, I don't know if you'd agree with this, and I, I quite don't know how to phrase this accurately enough, but with the... Uh, less than lukewarm reception that kingdom of the crystal skull got back in 2008 um i kind of felt like in the years since indiana jones was gone it was just there wasn't much there we got the lego indiana jones game and that was it we haven't had anything since no comics no games nothing um there was the faint whisper here and there that it might be another movie but nothing to materialize there was there was literally nothing going on with indiana jones from like 2008 till about three or four years ago when you started to hear that oh yeah the movie's happening everyone's on board it's just a matter of timing now it almost felt like for a character and a movie series that was as important and popular it started as people grew up and the marvel cinematic universes came along and the star wars hit theaters again it started to feel like indiana jones drifted towards more of a cult status thing than what it had become which was something that was extraordinarily important to us as kids and by the way for me stood behind only star wars um in my childhood as something i just loved and and in fact we were fortunate enough like after star wars was over we got more indiana jones and then there was the young indiana jones tv series there were comics there were books there was games um then there was the uh, opening of uh Hollywood Studios and the Indiana Jones Stunt Spectacular, which I didn't even get to see until I was 40. Um, but there was, it was like Indiana Jones became one of the MacGuffins he sought out in some of the movies. So I'm really excited that it looks like it's coming back full force. I think they're positioning Indiana Jones to be a major part again because they recognize that Indiana Jones is important. He's fun. He represents kind of this old school mentality of storytelling and in a way it represents some of the not just the movies that we watched as child as children but movies it has the it has the sensibilities of like old old hollywood to some degree like that character could come is basically inspired by the treasure of sierra madre and humphrey bogart so i think this is a sensibility that i'm really really excited to return again and i'm excited for the game and Marvel, what are you waiting for? I mean, geez, an invitation here? You've had it for 12 years? Now let's make some comics, for God's sakes. I, I imagine they got to have something coming for the, um, for to at least tie in with the movie. And uh, I know you guys reported on it earlier this month that there is a TV show in the works. I have a couple of thoughts on that. Uh, I'm excited. It sounds like it's an animated show, and I, I, 
I would be thrilled if it's it's, it's an Indiana Jones cartoon with Harrison Ford voicing it. I think that's probably the direction they're going to head with it. That's just a, that's my supposition of it. And there was a, a couple of years ago, someone put out a fan film, which was an Indiana Jones cartoon, which I thought was fantastic. And I said, let's just do it. Let's go for it. I'm all for it. I think it would be great. I think it's a way that we could have a lot of adventures and everyone's happy. And I'm looking forward to that game. I know we've literally seen nothing from it. It's been two years, maybe more, but I I just can't wait. That was the whole reason I got, well, it wasn't the whole reason I jumped into the Xbox ecosystem. Price point was also a big factor, but I'm excited for it. I just, seeing Indiana Jones back, it just makes me feel all warm and fuzzy in my tum-tum. But here, here's an interesting thing, though, is like what you're saying is Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and then nothing, which is kind of weird because was it the best movie in the series? No, but far worse movies have had sequels. Oh, sure. It was not a franchise killer by any stretch of the imagination, no. which is you know, I just found, found it kind of weird that it seemed like everything died so quickly. Yeah. I mean, shit, Nicolas Cage's Ghost Rider got a sequel. Right. And while we're bleeping stuff out, I can just say that. Well, sure. But here, you know, the other thing, I think that, I, I guess, I mean, I'm sure, I mean, I, I'm sure you took this into account, so forgive me for saying it, if I'm stepping on your toes. I think we expected more out of Indiana Jones than we did out of the Harrison Ford and Indiana Jones than we did Nick Cage and Ghost Rider. Yeah, but, but still, you, you know what I'm saying, though. It yes. wasn't that bad. It was, no, it was you're okay. Right. <laughs> yeah, to your point, unlike other legacy sequels, it doesn't damage anything that came before it which was our big fear if it was going to suck. Like, if you're going to suck or not be great, just don't screw up everything that came before it, and it didn't. Well, I'm uh, going to stick with my opinion on that, that if you let something screw up what came before it, that's kind of on you. I you can still watch the originals and not think about that. You well, can enjoy you can. them for what they are. You can, mm. but if there's a you, flat-out you don't, you don't have to attempt do it. to do that, it's hard to ignore it. Um, you're a Captain Detachment. I, 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 I am I quite capable you. of watching The Empire Strikes Back without picturing Hayden Christensen. Thank you very much. Well, I am now, <laughs> but when you, you were inundated with that, um, it was a little difficult for a while. But yeah, I agree with you, Mark. I'm not, I would definitely say that Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, easily the fourth, and the fourth of those, but it's not bad. And that, that, that But you know what's funny about that? Isn't it the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull kind of helps us now, doesn't it? Because all I need out of Dial of Destiny is it for it to be the fourth best Indiana Jones movie. That's the only thing I'm asking out of this thing. You just need to be the fourth best Indiana Jones. We're not asking for anything more than that. We really aren't. Here's another tie-in for you. Reportedly, uh, this past few weeks, uh, the Indiana Jones ride in Disneyland, Indiana Jones and the Temple of the Forbidden Eye, has closed down for major refurbishments. Rumor has it they're going to be tying it into the new film. Well, that's good, and I heard they're going to do uh, parts of the other films as well. Um, I, weren't we worried a little bit? Like, uh-oh, are they? Is that thing going away? Yeah, um, it's it's, it's been that. in disrepair for a while. Well, a lot of that stuff is. And I have a question for you, Mark. Um, so now that we've seen the trailer for Dial of Destiny, if you're like me, hand soap. What's that? Hand soap. Um, yes. Do you think it's possible that this Indiana Jones series is? a series, maybe a limited series, six to eight episodes, with more of what I assume we're getting, a de-aged Harrison Ford in flashbacks, because I think, like I saw it, like the first time you saw it in a Marvel movie, you were impressed with the way it looked at Tony Stark. 
I still remember the Kurt Russell at the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy going, oh my gosh. And from what I've seen in Dial of Destiny, it's almost flawless. Uh, you know, from what I understand, Kurt Russell in uh, Guardians 2 was mostly makeup effects. Oh, really? He's, he's used the same makeup artist for like 40 years. So his makeup artist did most of the work. Oh, wow. That's a heck of a job. <laughs> I, I could be off it. I remember reading that somewhere. I remember reading be, that. So. I, I, that's interesting. They might that have smoothed things out a little bit, but they said the bulk of the work was uh, his makeup guy. Oh. Yeah, so I, I, I wonder if that's where we're heading with this. Like maybe, I still remember, and I want to find this at some point, the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, but it's like Lucas does. He tinkers with it so often. The, when, you, when you aired it, when it aired on ABC... It began and ended. It was bookended by an old Indian in his 90s, okay, who was telling the story. Well, when they put it out on video, they took all of that out, which really disappoints me. Yeah, I, you I, know, I, I never watched it. I tried going back and watching the first couple episodes, and I was like, where's the old guy? Yeah, they got rid of it. They <laughs> took all of that stuff out for whatever reason. Um, so I, I'm interested to see if that, like, it could be him, and then he's playing himself de-aged. I think that I my my thing is they've seen the movie, they look at the technology, they know they've nailed it, that they've perfected it, and that could be what we'll get. Your thoughts? I I don't know. I think they could go a lot of different directions with it. If they went that way, I'd be extremely happy with it. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll take whatever indie I can get. I've been starved for it for so long, like yes. you were saying. Yes, I mean, think how excited we got back in the, what the fall when they had the. The Hasbro reveal, and they said, "Oh, you got some Indiana Jones stuff coming." I don't even think we cared what it was. We oh my god, I I pre-ordered all the six-inch figures. <laughs> Are they all out? Are they, all uh, they, they only have pre-orders open still for um, Indy and uh, what's his name? Tote. Tote. Oh, yeah. Arnold yeah, uh, Tote, and the, those two are only are only available. The other two are not. Belloc and Marion are not yet. Did you see they? But I have to buy all four because I need to assemble an arc. Yeah, and did you see they did announce? Uh, more in the second wave, which is um, Donovan, and you're going to have the melt the, the the face. You're going to be able to change his face to the the DH or the the the, the uh, decaying Donovan. Nice. Uh, so and there's, there's someone else too. So I, I can just intone he chose poorly every time I see it on my shelf. Yes, and uh, <laughs> Indy in the white tuxedo. Um, you're going to get that. Uh, which eh, okay, fine. I need a Sala, uh, and I need a short round. That's all I need. Wasn't well, Sala? Sala's coming, right? He's, it's, it's, he's I thought. Now there were only four in the first series, weren't there? No, I think Sala's coming. Because it's Marion, it's Sala, and the... Belloc. Belloc, it, it yeah. Was, it was Indy, Marion, Belloc, and... Uh, oh. Tote. I thought Sala was in there. I, I thought there was only four in the series. Anyway, uh, I'm excited. I only if I, if I had one wish, Mark, it would be that we could go see this together. I um, know. It, it just feels like it... it and I would, I'd have to, but my dad's excited to see it, so hopefully he'll be in good, good enough shape that we'll be able to go see it. So... Welcome back, Indiana Jones, to 2023. Oh, you are right. There is a Sala. I am dumb. <laughs> You're not dumb. You're not dumb. Yep. Yep. You're just blinded by love. I am. <laughs> oh. Da, 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 da. I, you know, I hummed that for three days after the trailer. Yeah, they did kind of, uh, they put a lot of our fears to rest with that trailer, didn't they? I trust in James Mangold. Listen, Harrison Ford looks great. I mean, he's still he really got it. Does. He's still got it. Still does. He's got that presence, though. Right, we're gonna let Gary talk now. <laughs> I'll be, I'll, I'll be quick. Uh, my number one, what I'm looking forward to, 
Um, now, IMDb doesn't have this list until 2024, and in all honesty, it's probably going to get pushed out to 25. Deadpool 3. Um, if you're looking at me, circa, say, 92, 93, I'm collecting three things. Wolverine comics, Deadpool comics, and X-Force comics. And what's probably going to be in Deadpool 3? Deadpool. Wolverine, and if Deadpool 2 was any uh, anything to go by, you will probably have Cable and Domino making at least a, a cameo, if not having a large role. So that is my comic book history in a nutshell, right there. I love Deadpool 1. I enjoyed Deadpool 2. And like many fans, I've been clamoring for a Deadpool-Wolverine meetup. So I know it's probably going to take me at least beyond this year, if not further, but I'm looking forward to the release of Deadpool 3 in the theaters. The end. Well met. Thank you. Well met. Very good. All right, Darren. So you are back and we decided to let you do your favorite thing. Yeah. I mean, this is sort of uh... Ah, my eyes. My wait. Oh, his second favorite thing. Okay, never mind. Second favorite. Second favorite thing. Um, yeah, and it's been like I love doing the retroactive reviews. It's always fun for me, and I love listening to what you guys come up with. And uh, this is my first one in almost a year. Hard to believe that that's the case, but I I am really excited to present this. Um, it is sort of inspired by Mark's take on our retroactive reviews, where I'm pretty sure that we were all comics until he came along. So I decided to kind of uh, split the difference here. And I got a television show and a comic. I am not a number. I am a free man. And Quiet, so, Seven. Let me try that again. I am not a number. I am a free man. And so the cultish of cult shows began just when television was beginning to explore what was possible as an art form. A rogue secret agent, an unseen organization, an idyllic yet mysterious coastal village, a cat and mouse game of wits throw in some magnificent British performances to create a television experience that was way ahead of its time. The Prisoner. It is a show that belies convention even by modern standards. It cements its legendary and cultish status by frequently remaining unavailable and is worth exploration by those with any tangential relationship with Spyfair. But first, some context. The Prisoner premiered on the British Broadcasting Corporation, some may call it the BBC, in 1967 on the heels of other enduring classics of which we have spent voluminous time discussing on this podcast, Doctor Who some five years earlier, Batman exclamation point, and Star Trek both in 1966. If really Doctor Who and Batman 66 were very much of their time and Star Trek was very forward thinking in terms of visual effects for television, and social awareness, then The Prisoner leapt in front of all with star and creator Patrick McGowan's avant-garde approach to storytelling, performance for television, and filmmaking. Writer George Markstein is listed as co-creator, though there has been much debate over the years over who created what for The Prisoner. One thing that is clear, McGowan is primarily cited as having pitched the idea to network execs on multiple occasions. The pair, Mark Steen and McGowan, worked together on the BBC series Danger Man, and following McGowan's departure from Danger Man, Mark Steen approached him about a new series based on the many ideas and conversations the two had shared while producing Danger Man. 
of note, the series was known as Secret Agent in the U.S. And if you are of our age or even younger, you likely ran across it on some late Saturday morning or Sunday afternoon or something along those lines. The plot for The Prisoners centers around Patrick McGowan's character, who, in the opening credit sequence, which is as quintessentially 60s as you'll find, is seen racing toward a subterranean headquarters. Upon arrival, he angrily resigns his post. The duration of the sequence sees him return to his flat, gassed to unconsciousness, and wakes up in the village, and the series through-line plot is set up through a voiceover between McGowan's character and an unseen antagonist. Episodes 1 through 13 of the 17 revolve around McGowan's attempt to escape the village. The village is the would-be prison and as much a character in the series as any other. The exteriors of the village are widely popular and were filmed in the British resort village of Port Marion, a low-tide coastal town. As beautiful as one could imagine, making it the perfect setting for a place with sinister underpinnings. The inhabitants of the village are either free-roaming prisoners or agents of the unnamed organization, many of which are undercover inhabitants. Names are outlawed and residents are identified by an assigned number. Patrick McGowan's spy-come-prisoner is given the designation number six. The primary antagonists are the number twos, a rotating cast of actors. The number twos are charged with obtaining information from number six. The organization determines that number six will not reveal this information under any duress, rendering traditional methods of information extraction useless. This information is such that number six cannot be eliminated. For the next 13 episodes of The Prisoner, this is the status quo. That episode's number two orchestrates an elaborate scheme to obtain information from number six. Number six ultimately wins the game of wits, thus eliminating the number two, who is sometimes seen forcibly being taken away. The cycle begins again for the next episode, with a different number two scheming against number six. It is in the final four episodes of the series which sees the surreal twist for which the series had come to be known. Now here, uh, the less said, the better. Um, Because if I said too much about those last four, it would imply the series conclusion. However, if I did make any sort of attempt at an episode description, well, let me just say that it's not hard to imagine what probably worked its way into the writer's room towards the end of the series production. It was the 1960s after all. I just rewatched the series two years ago at the height of the COVID, at the height of COVID and found the show to hold up better than I ever dreamt possible. Certainly some laughable moments, but the pace of the storytelling performances and ambiguity surrounding key elements of the show make it worth every legendary whisper since the show came to a close in 1968. The show feels like essential viewing for all those who travel in our circles. There's a very whimsical quality to it. Gunplay, more to the point, violence in general are pushed aside for more cerebral storytelling. There is so much more to say about The Prisoner. Books have been written about The Prisoner. Multiple documentaries out there about The Prisoner. It is as guarded a show as there has been with creator star Patrick McGowan resisting all sequels, remakes, and at least in terms of on screen. This is likely because as off the beaten path as the series became, it did seem to arrive at a definitive conclusion. 
And it wasn't until 1988 that a follow-up was greenlit. A miniseries called The Prisoner, Shattered Visage, sounding something more like an album by The Cure or a song by Susie and the Banshees. But there it was. A follow-up. the heck was that? But there it was, a follow-up for which fans had been clamoring in the 20 years since the show ended. Now, I was unable to determine why McGowan finally relented and allowed Shattered Visage to be published by DC other than to take advantage of the comic book boon in the 1980s. Shattered Visage was illustrated by Dean Motter, a Clevelander, who also worked on Mr. X, Terminal City, and The Sacred and the Profane. Mark Asquith worked primarily in television and is listed as a co-writer. Shattered Visage is a spy story more in the vein of John Le Carre's Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, a book I have read and a movie I've seen. Well, there's been multiple versions of the movies. Hey, Mark, here's a, here's a piece of trivia for you. Who's the first person to bring George Smiley to the screen? I do not know. Alec Guinness. All right. Played George Smiley in a Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy television series uh, after Star Wars. I, I did not think. know that. Yeah, I, that's one of those. Once I saw that, I'm like, oh, I got to check that out. In fact, I, I believe I caught a reference to Mr. Smiley, who Thomas is trained by. Again, George Smiley is the main character in Lacar's novels. Now, in Shattered Visage, the story follows Thomas and his wife, Alice Drake. Drake is a reference to Patrick McGowan's character from Danger Man, John Drake. This one's hard to summarize without revealing some of the more uh, delicious secrets from the TV series. And honestly, it gets really exasperating. There's so much answering questions with questions what is the village the village is the village why did you leave why did i stay why do you think number six is still here why wouldn't he be here that's like half the book man and it's just like oh my god at some point you're like shut up shut up shut up if there's one thing that is clarified in the meandering nature of shattered visage it's that patrick mcgowan's number six possessed information so wide-ranging and so damaging that it was able to connect some of the dots as to why he simply wasn't eliminated entirely. Indeed, one reference implies that number six had deep knowledge of the Kennedy assassination, which I imagine McGowan probably would not have liked. Um, however, one of the major problems as to why this thing uh, was greeted somewhat with some disdain is that it was billed as answering all questions, yet provided very little satisfaction which likely alienated fans. Still, in the years prior, post, Mugun was on record to say that, and this is a quote, he didn't hate it. Um, the main issue fans of the original had with the follow-up was that it undid so much of what occurred in the series finale. Now, I highly recommend the television series. It is a must-see while many have not seen it, it still will evoke a warm and fuzzy sense of nostalgia while showing us a roadmap of how we arrived at so much of what we love today. As for the comic follow-up, I, I enjoyed reading it, um, but I definitely wouldn't recommend it. And it certainly is not an essential uh, entry into The Prisoner. In fact, to this day, the only essential entry into The Prisoner is the original 17 episodes. Uh, as for McGowan, he was of a generation of screen actors who mastered their craft. Uh, Mark, I know you said you haven't seen the uh, series, but I know I bet you Patrick McGowan is someone you're pretty familiar with. Oh, absolutely. With. Yeah. Uh, his name is famous, although his face might not be. He, is, he was at once the reason for the role, any role he took, but also disappeared into it. A commanding presence, 
employing more subtlety than his contemporaries. Um, maybe think of him as an early prototype for some of what Liam Neeson would do. Uh, you may have seen him in Ice Station Zebra. Here's what I didn't know. Remember the movie The Phantom, the one from the 90s? Yeah, he was the uh, ghost of his father. Yeah, he was the previous Phantom. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, he played Longshanks and Braveheart. That's when I always something, remember. <laughs> yeah, something that I did not know that was only recently revealed in an interview with Peter Jackson most people thought Sean Connery was initially offered, at least that's the legend behind it, was offered um, the first to be offered Gandalf. No, Peter Jackson offered it to Patrick McGowan first. Um, he was also on the short list to replace Richard Harris after he died. Yes, as I was, actually. Which he died shortly little, after that, so it was probably a good thing he didn't. Well, yeah, well, there, 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 there does seem, be, seem, seem to be some disagreement there whether he was offered it before Harris or after he passed away shortly, so. Um, there seems to be, like, I don't know why we can't get to the bottom of that one, but whatever. But you're right about that. Yeah, I, I think he would have been great. Um, boy, Michael Gambon takes a lot of crap. I don't know why. Anyway, I digress. So, of course, with him being British and playing a spy twice, the obvious question becomes, how close was he to James Bond? Well, let's find out. But first, some context. Now, we are in probably what I would consider, if you were a James Bond fan, and Mark and I both are, Mark is the, uh, the, uh, the alpha James Bond fan of our uh, panel. Um, but we're in the worst part, aren't we, Mark? Because it's all casting rumors. Yeah, and I find no casting idea who. Rumors, right. I find casting rumors to be such a chore to the point where I choose to ignore them. And never are they more chore-like than the ever-present posturing of who will be the next James Bond. It is simultaneously a role nobody wants, but everyone is dying to be considered for. It has arrived to such a point of exasperation that when any actor wears a suit, picks up a drink, or holds a pistol, then speaks with any accent that is an American, it is touted as their unofficial audition to play James Bond. As of this writing... And as of this recording, and as of this posting in January of 2023, actor Aaron Taylor Johnson has emerged as the thought-to-be-likely successor if the internet is to be believed. And let's face it, the internet is never wrong, right? Ashton Kutcher is Batman in an upcoming film by Inception director Christopher Nolan. Forgot about that one, didn't you? I digress, as always, digressing. Now let me attempt to encapsulate what should be the prevailing notion on the next 007. For most of us, it goes like this. <clears throat> Idris Elba, or We Riot. Followed by a, Henry Cavill is no longer Superman or The Witcher. Followed by a posting of that picture of LeVar Burton as Jordy LaForge pointing his finger in acknowledgement. Which is pretty much where everyone is right now. And if one or the other is true, really, does it matter? Nobody knows. I bring this up because, perhaps... The first of its kind casting rumors were James Bond, and number six himself, Patrick McGowan, was offered the role ahead of Sean Connery, turning it down, then offered again following Connery's departure. Back when Matt Bark and I did our uh, James Bond special in 2021, we did a segment on who should have been James Bond, i.e. who we thought could have been a great James Bond and didn't get the opportunity. Patrick McGowan was my number one choice, and I said this about him. Uh, Danger Man was the proverbial audition to play James Barr insofar as he is British and he wore a suit. So much that, so that he was offered the role of head of John Connery. 
And then again, after Live and Let Die, paraphrasing myself, he would not have fit into the more um, tongue-in-cheek approach that Roger Moore employed. Uh, but I think if you watch The Prisoner, there's a lot of Patrick McGowan in Daniel Craig's James Bond. He really, I, I don't know this. I think that I bet Daniel Craig watched The Prisoner. I'm sure he grew up watching The Prisoner like most people did in Britain. And I think there's a lot when you watch how number six goes about his business very steely-eyed very calm very collected he's never out of his element he's never you're never getting one over on him either you just when you think you've got him dead to rights he you don't um to put a fine point on magoo and his bond when the prisoner debuted many viewers projected that it was a sequel to danger man appropriately a popular fan theory that was that number six is james bond and the number twos are agents of specter Listen, there are shows that are ahead of their time, and then there's The Prisoner. Again, I can't recommend the TV series enough. However, this is a series that will feel familiar because it has been cribbed so often, mainly ineffectually, that it will be hard to separate. Even its own remake follow-up in 2009 did a poor job of capturing the original. Now, McGowan passed away in 2009, and AMC wasted no time jumping on top of that, and they remade it. And I could not get past the second episode in spite of the presence of Ian McKellen and um, Haley Atwell and Jim Casviel, who I um, was an actor I've enjoyed at times. The problem was um, a couple of things. Casviel's number six, um, he's angry and frantic for most of the, um, from what I saw, the exact opposite of McGowan's number six. And Ian McKellen is the only number two. Um, I mean, if you're going to have only one number two, it may as well be Ian McKellen. But people were put off by the fact that the whole spirit of the original was different. And here's the thing about it. Um, it's really not that great. I, it's, it's not just the only problems with it. It's just poorly paced. Having seen the original, I was absolutely confused by what the heck was going on with that new one. Um, Christopher Nolan was attached to do a movie in 2009 and they chose to do the TV series instead. And now you kind of rip your hair out and go, what's going on there? Um, Ridley Scott was last attached to it in 2016. No merchandise up until at least a couple of years ago when Wandering Planet put out a series of toys. Um, so, guys, there you go. The Prisoner, something that I'm sure we've all somehow come across at some point. That's all I got. Be seeing you. Thank you, Darren. Wow quite a lot there i'm I, I was honestly not super familiar with any of that i remember my dad has mentioned it in passing i know i've probably watched an episode or two with him when i was a little kid but i don't really remember it i know it's a pop culture phenomenon from back then um i i largely ignored the jim cavazel remake it didn't look like it was going to be anything worth my time so the earliest memories I have are like Maverick and Gunsmoke, and that's really about. I loved Gunsmoke. <laughs> yeah, Gunsmoke. Yeah. No, it sounds like something I'd be interested in. I mean, I, I'm actually. Is, is is it something that you can find now? Uh, last I checked, it was on IMDb when I watched it, which is now something uh, different. Yeah, I don't know what it is now. Um, there is one episode that is. I think it's called Many Happy Returns, 
where he I, I, I mean oh it's on Tubi is it on Tubi okay isn't it's that what alright um, he gets off the island that's the only way to put it I don't want to and the twist and turnaround of what they do with that entire episode is so well done that if you had to watch one because I think you can just watch them you can just pick one to watch um, The I think it's called Many Happy Returns I think it's right in the middle of the season and it is an action adventure with him dodging the agents and like you know trying to escape making his way back to London and what happens after that you feel for him you're upset you're angry for him and then when he ends up back in the village he just sort of go he just says that look on his face like all right we'll try again and then it's 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 just definitely it's one of the best shows it's I, I recommend it highly that's a definitely sounds interesting like you said it it, it sounds like it's how, how did you phrase it um how did you phrase it early on as, as far as it kind of setting the framework for things we're interested in going forward oh for sure there's so much of what i mean just the, the pacing it's like a road map to so much of what love um just the Thank performances you. the pacing the storytelling the filmmaking like he was made these are movies they are shot like movies and this is 1967 um i mean this looks as good of anything you're going to see now because it's all performance based I mean, it's all, and there's no, there's, I, I, I don't remember gunshots. I'm sure there were at some point, but like, and by the, okay. So the funny parts, like when he actually has to fight somebody and there's this thing with him fighting someone on a trampoline, it's really just, it's like Shatner-esque, but, <laughs> but it's also 1967. Right. Um, but it's, I mean, you get a sense out of him, like, yeah, if this guy was actually was James Bond, some of these James Bond movies are like 15 minutes because he's you're just not pulling a fast one on this guy. All right. All right. Well, check it out. All right. Well, if it's on Tubi, I'll be uh, watching that occasionally. I'm really interested to see what you guys think. Again, it's difficult to recommend for people because so much of what's come after it is straight up stealing from it mm-hmm. and doing it not nearly as it was done 50 years ago. Okay. Well, thanks, Darren. Uh, yeah, like I said, I was not super aware of it. I sadly don't see myself finding time to dive into it, but... Maybe in June. No! June is busy! <laughs> June is busy! Well, we will know what happens if he goes, guess what, I've been watching A Prisoner in June. I'm like, oh no, everything fell apart for you, didn't it? Sad, I'm crying in a corner. I won't well, be there like- you go. Hold on to it, Phil. Have that in your back pocket just in case. It's right. there if you need it. Maybe July then. How about that? <laughs> Fine, because I'll be done with all that stuff by then. All right. Well, guys, that was awesome. Uh, yeah. So uh, next month, we are actually going to be talking about our most powerful non-traditional characters, uh, which will be our February rundown between uh, two episodes. Uh, do you guys have anything else to plug before we bow out? Yeah, I'm excited for that one. I really hope it's great to be back. I hope I can make it for that one. Um, it's basically the characters we are to be selecting are characters that we almost have never spoken about in the 10 years plus years. I will be podcast. talking anime heavy, I am sure. 
Ditto. I will be appearing uh, in bed later if anyone needs me. So, um, yeah. I'd rather not picture that as I try to climb into bed. So there's yeah. that. Me too. Different bed. Different bed. Uh, stop it, Mark. You <laughs> All right. Well, if there is nothing from anyone else, you can always follow us on Instagram at panel scanners. You can also drop us a message on any podcasting app. We'll try to get back to you. It'd be cool to hear some comments and see what's going on. You can respond to us and talk to us on Instagram as well. I try to get back to everybody as frequently as I can. So until next month, when we talk non- uh, non-traditional, most powerful characters. We are the panel scanners and enjoy your comics.